The reading is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so, so today is my first Sunday as your new pastor. So I thought I would start at the beginning and just say a few things today about who God says we are as human beings. So I want to think about the Bible's first words about us and to see how important they are, those words from God, in, in helping us to think about ourselves and our lives and indeed our communities as human beings. Now, in the Bible, that discussion, of course, begins in Genesis 1, which is where people are first mentioned. Now, I want you to notice from those verses that Margaret read in Genesis 1, I want you to notice firstly that one of the first things God ever says about human beings is the words, very good. That's in Genesis 1, verse 31. God sees everything that he's made, including humankind. And indeed, he says it was very good. Now, that is where our story, our human story begins. That is where the Bible's words about you and me begin. And so that is actually, I think, where we should begin whenever we think about ourselves and those around us, including those that we don't get on so well with, perhaps. Now, of course, a couple of chapters on from this in Genesis 3, God also begins to talk there about what's maybe gone wrong, uh, what's not so very good uh, in us, and, and why that happens and, and how that affects things. But as important as that is, and as unavoidable, and as necessary as it is to think about those not so good things in us, 
we must always remember that God begins his description of us and the human race here in chapter one of Genesis. And here in chapter one, God sees something very good about this amazing thing he created called humankind. And that means that the first thing to know about yourself and about us as human beings and the human race, the first thing to know is that God wanted us to be here. God desired and intended for there to be a human race. And so it was, and it still is. Because God desired us, and so he created us. And the first thing he says is that he saw it all, and he saw it as a very good thing that he had made us. So without ignoring the, the other side of things, when we think of who we are, without ignoring the very real challenges of sin and evil and brokenness that the Bible also talks about, we must always, first of all, begin here in Genesis 1, whenever we think about who, who human beings inherently are to God, who we are, who you are, who our neighbours are to God. Because if we skip this first chapter in the Bible, if, if, for example, we just jumped over this chapter and jumped straight to Genesis 3, when we think about ourselves and others, then we would only ever think in terms of blame. We would only think about who and how and where someone's done wrong. And the discussion about humanity would only ever be they're to blame or I'm to blame. They're terrible or I'm terrible. They're damned or I'm damned. And, and that would soon just become either God loves me, but he doesn't love them. Or on the other hand, it might become God loves them, but I don't know if he loves me. And that is not a good starting point. And that's, this is my point this morning. That is not a good starting point for how we see ourselves and the human race. And nor is it the Bible's starting point. And that's really the point I'm making here. The Bible begins in Genesis chapter one, where the human race, us, we were the desire of God. And then we, were, we became the imaginative thought of God and then we became the creative outpouring of God. And here we are. And God looked and he said, that's really good. And I believe that that is telling us, Genesis 1 is telling us that God means us to be here. And means for us to endure. And importantly, God means for us to know and experience his life and his grace. And of course, we know that that is true because Jesus Christ came and died to rescue us from the not so good stuff, from the sin, so that we can know God's forgiveness and light and peace and blessing. Now, this, this point that I'm making, firstly, this is why Christianity says, and indeed many people in our society still today have learnt from Christianity to say, that every single human being has equal dignity and value and worth. That's because of passages like Genesis 1. And this is the starting point that God gives us. And it's also the reason why the gospel, the good news of God, is a message also about God's grace to us, his favour, his gift to us all. So that's an important point, and it leads us ultimately to Christ. We're told, John's gospel says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. 
So ultimately, this first point leads us to Jesus and actually to the incarnation, which is the incarnation. That's just a fancy word for when God's son became human. The divine became one of us. Now think about that. God became human. If ever we doubt that God desires good for the human race and desires for us to be here and to experience life in all the good ways that God intends, if we ever doubt that, then we need to remember that God's son, Jesus Christ, became human, became one of us. That means God has forever joined himself to our flesh and blood humanity. That is how committed God is to the human race. Christ became human. And not just for a time, by the way, because after Jesus had lived his human life here on earth and died on the cross for our sin, he then rose from the dead. But importantly, remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose once again in a bodily resurrection. And that tells you that actually God always wants to be able to look at the human race and say, very good. And he sent Jesus to heal all the brokenness so that it can be saved, so that we can be saved and blessed and redeemed and hear God say to us, welcome. I love you and I save you. You are blessed. Now that profoundly affects how we see ourselves, but also other people. And for you personally, you know, whatever else there is to say about your life and whatever else you carry in your life that you find hard and upsetting and regretful or painful, perhaps, about your life, before any of that stuff, more basic to any of that stuff, this is what God says about you first and foremost. This is who you are to him. He created us and he saw something good there. And he really does love you. And that is why he does rescue us from the not so good stuff as well. Now, secondly, notice that God created us as relational beings, as people who exist and grow and experience who we are and know who we are through our relationships with one another. Verse 27 says, God created humankind. He created them. Male and female, he created them. And it's all plural. And those human relationships exist in many different ways, of course, and in different spheres, you know, between neighbours or friends or spouses or parents and children. And of course, there's also our wider relatedness to each other as a human race and the effect that we all have on one another as a result of how we live and speak towards each other. And that existence within relationship, which so defines us and shapes us as human beings, it actually, we're told here, it actually reflects the relational nature of God himself, uh, who says in verse 26, let us make humankind in our image. It's a bit like God from the very beginning of the Bible is engaged in conversation. But what about us as well? We, from our conception are formed and exist within relationships. And that is how God intends it to be. It's part of what God's gift of life is. And and it, it applies whether we're introverted or extroverted. The point is, 
we all exist within our relationships and that's what is best for us because that's how God created us that is necessary for us to live life it is part of the very good of God's creation so whenever we think about who we are as human beings who you are yourself and whenever you think of other people around you uh, and indeed who the whole human family is we must think in terms of our connectedness our shared responsibility to one another and indeed our shared need of one another and so therefore we have to think whenever we're thinking of who we are as human beings we have to think about the effect that our lives have on those around us now the bible uses the word neighbor to describe that uh, you know we cannot be dismissive of people around us because as god so often says in the bible the greatest commands are these to love god and to love our neighbor as ourselves and those things those are inseparable loving god and loving others as ourselves are all part of one package if you like you know jesus himself taught us didn't he as we observe his life in the gospels jesus taught us that a life truly lived is not a life entirely made up of the self but one in which actually we learn to love ourselves well as we learn to love one another well and love God well, just like Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Now, at this point, I wanted to just pause. It's worth considering the fact that lasting relationships of any kind within our own lives, within our churches, within the communities where our churches exist, lasting relationships take time. And they take patience and they take care and thought and indeed sacrifice. Now, those are not things that we tend to think enough about in our Western societies and cultures today. But God, he talks about those things a lot, about patience and sacrifice and long suffering and faithfulness and a love that endures. You know, Jesus, again, he exemplified all of that, of course, in his own life here among us. So for us to live as God created us to, it means living with a commitment to one another. A long-term commitment with perseverance and patience and forgiveness and a lasting love. Uh, I was listening to some talks uh, just this past week by the Scottish theologian John Swinton. Uh, and he was pointing out in one of the talks that, that we speak about time like we speak about our money. So we buy time, we make time, we spend time, or perhaps we waste time. As if time is just a commodity of production to be evaluated by how much we've gained out of it. You know, we say that, don't we? You know, we think, what did, what did I get out of that time? What did I gain from it? we might say. But the trouble is, relationships, love, cannot be just assessed or evaluated or measured like that. As if, you know, anyone, anyone knows that who has cared for a loved one, or brought up a child, or indeed fallen in love with someone. You know, you don't measure love, those relationships, like you measure production, a production line, do you? And, and in one of the lectures that I listened to, 
John Swinton mentioned uh, a Japanese theologian who wrote of God as the three mile an hour God. And that's based on the fact that apparently three miles per hour is the average speed at which a human being walks. So he says Jesus, who is God, traveled at three mile an hour as he lived here among us on earth and spent time with his disciples and time with those who others overlooked or demonized or had no time for, even, even as Jesus spoke to those who opposed him. Lasting, loving relationships are more like a steady walk than a quick sprint. Love has a speed kind of thing. Three mile an, the three mile an hour God. He did not and he does not rush past us, God. But he walks patiently, faithfully with us to the very last breath. And Christian love that reflects God, therefore, has a speed as well. And it is a steady patient, dependable walk with one another. Now, of course, it's true that God sometimes does incredible things and the cobwebs get blown away and the spirit rushes in and stirs things up, of course. But we're talking about love and relationship here. And when we think of God's love, and indeed when we think of our calling from God to love one another just as he loves us, well, that, that bedrock of relationship is a long, faithful, patient walk in companionship with one another and together with God. It is a bit, it's a bit like those disciples in Luke 24. Which remember, they walked together on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus after Jesus had risen from the dead. And they walked that journey together until the end of the day. And then they went inside to eat. And then they realized that the risen Jesus Christ had actually been there journeying with them all the way. You know, that's who God is for us too today. And that's who we are created to be, to exist in relationship with one another. And importantly, I also believe this is who our communities desperately need us to be as Christians for them. Because there are less and less people in our world today. There are less and less people to stop and listen, and love the people in our community. Everyone's looking at their watches. Everyone's assessing results. Everyone's under pressure. But the church is here to love as Christ has loved. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And that won't, as we go into our community, it won't just be a quick sprint. Often, it will be more like a long and patient walk with the people in our community. Do you know, there's a wonderful passage in Hebrews 2, which describes Jesus's desire to be forever connected to us in relationship. And interestingly, it also connects it with God as our creator in Genesis. And it says this in, in Hebrews 2, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed, it says. Jesus is not ashamed to call them, to call us brothers and sisters. God is glad 
pleased, proud, we might say, to be known as the one who knows you. To say that you, and indeed any of those people in our communities that we meet, to say that they are his family, that they are brothers and sisters with Christ through the gospel. And that leads me just briefly and thirdly to the fact that Genesis 1 also tells us that God created us in his own image. Now, in the ancient world of Genesis, it was very common to speak about images of gods. Uh, so the various religions of the ancient world all had their varieties of gods, and they were usually worshipped uh, through an image. And, and the, an image was a statue in the likeness of the god, whoever it was, and carved in stone, perhaps, or later forged in metal. And people would worship their gods through these carved images, these statues, which were thought to represent the gods on earth. But then the Bible came along, and this one god who, who said, actually, he's the only god, he said, actually, no, it's you human beings. You are my image and likeness in the world. Not some lump of stone or metal, not some lifeless figure, but living, breathing, flesh and blood human beings. That's who God says, that's who I made you to be, to be my image, my reflection, in other words, my likeness, my representative to the whole of creation. Now that, that was very unique, completely unique in the ancient world to speak of human beings in those terms that the Bible does. It was a revolutionary understanding of what it means to be human in relation to God and one another. To be able to reflect God's goodness to the world. And I think that is just as revolutionary and exciting and challenging today as ever it was. That we exist together as human beings with the intention that we will show the rest of this universe how good God really is. That affects how we live and speak to each other. That affects how we treat this planet that God has given us as our home. It affects what we do with the things that God has given us. It calls us, by the grace of God, to be Christ-like in whatever we do. The New Testament says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, to shine a light on who he is. So when we think of who we are as human beings, we're actually stepping into a most wonderful and privileged and challenging and indeed glorious calling to be God's image, to live in his likeness in the world and to the world. Now, of course, that thought might be completely overwhelming. And we all know that things are not as they should be in us. But once again, that draws us to Jesus Christ, our Saviour. The one who, because Jesus is the one who begins a work of redemption in us. And, and we're told he will bring it to completion so that we can become the people and the community and the humanity that God actually calls us to be. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus, and he says this, And we know that in all things 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also appointed to be conformed to the image of his son, so that Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's telling us that it is, it is in Jesus Christ, as we come to him in faith, it is through his spirit that, that actually the image and likeness of God, which is the image and likeness of Christ, becomes more and more formed in us. We become, as Paul put it, formed into the image of Christ, God's son. In other words, as we bring our lives to Jesus in faith, we do begin to live and experience and share in the life of God, just as he always intended us for us to. And it is Jesus Christ who does that work, who forms that image of God in us as we give our lives to him and trust him and as we learn who we truly are in him. And as his spirit is given to us and we live towards each other in the same way as Jesus lives towards us. So who are we? We human beings, who are we? We who meet on a Sunday to talk about God and then we go and do life. Who are we? Well, God says we are his good creation. He says we were created to be loved and to love. And he says that we reflect him like an image when we follow Jesus Christ and live by faith in him. So may God give us all grace to give our lives to him in faith and to be that kind of community here in Somerset today. Amen.